0: Ghost Children, Startling Information Revealed in a Dream, and much more on this edition of Jim Harold's Campfire.
1: Welcome to our gathering tonight.
2: Here we share stories of ordinary people who have experienced extraordinary things. Sit back, relax, and warm yourself by Jim Harold's Campfire.
0: Welcome to Jim Harold's Campfire. This is the place where real people tell their true stories of supernatural encounters. And welcome to the program if you like that sort of thing. And if you like this show, we would ask one overriding big favor please share the show. The easy way to do it is while you're listening, assuming it's your safe place to do so. Share the show right from the app as you're listening. If it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the major apps have that little share button. Share the episode right to a friend. That's a way to uh, share the love, of course, on online communities, Reddit, Facebook, Discord, X, whatever it may be, Instagram, Instagram. Uh, we see a lot of people doing Instagram stories now about the show, and we appreciate it. So please, please, please share the show. That's my number one favor I would ask. In exchange, we bring you great stories like this one. Next up on the campfire, we have a return caller. Tom from Pennsylvania is with us. And uh, I read this story, and I was just floored. Uh, it is a remarkable story, and we're so glad to have Tom with us. And we really appreciate when people come on and tell very heartfelt, very personal stories, and that's this kind of a story. Tom, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us, and please tell us uh, your experience.
3: Jim, this thanks. Uh, it's great to be here. This story takes place in 1996, in March of 1996. Uh, I grew up in a town called Huntington, Pennsylvania. I, my parents, Faye and Al were it was like growing up in the Cleaver household. It was at a they were married 47 years. So there was it was like the Cosby family. It was just this, I think I saw them fight once and it was because dad was watching a football game and wasn't listening to mom or something. (laughs) They were just a great parents. They were in the arts. They were theater people. They encouraged me to go into the arts. I'm an artist. It's what I do. Uh, The only job I ever had, I was the pirate parrot mascot for eight years. And they thought it was the greatest thing that this kid putting his Penn state degree was jumping around in a bird suit for eight years, but (laughs) it was a means to an end. They're just, just, they were great people, and they were well-loved in the community. They were very involved in, like, in Chamber of Commerce and local chorus. And uh, in 1995, they both caught cancer at the same time. Oh. And I think it was melanoma and, and multiple myeloma. I forget which who had who. I kind of like turned that off. But for a year, they were in hospice care at our home. Dad was in my bedroom, and Mom was in her bedroom. And they would have... Uh, times where one would feel better and was able to get around and then couldn't and the other would be able to get around and then couldn't but they they were staying in separate rooms for a year and then this one particular week they both weren't feeling well and so they were put in the hospital JC Blair Memorial Hospital in Huntington for to be together and it was it was kind of good because they hadn't been able to be together in the same room in a year and they were talking and chatting and laughing and then Aww. a few days later later yeah, it was, it was nice for them. They were able to see each other and uh, and go to sleep at the same time. And Dad, uh, had a turn for the worse and passed away in his sleep. So we had a funeral for him and a reception at the house. And you know, it was very heartwarming and and memorable. It's like a reunion, you know. But that night, we went to the hospital to be with Mom, and she was aware of it. She wasn't. She was talking a little bit at that point couple days later it was a saturday morning it was this beautiful cloudless march sunshiny morning and she was surrounded by my sisters my uncle and nurses and several friends of the family and we were with her when she passed away uh she she stopped breathing for about 40 seconds and we all started to weep and then she woke up again and her eyes open, and it was like, mom, mom, no, go, go to the light, go to dad. And she was really into near death experiences. So we all looked to the ceiling of the room because you hear the stories right. of what people see, they hover above the room. And, and I don't, I'm sure there's some scientific reason, but the visual of that, I'm an artist, so I'm very visual, the visual of that, you could almost see her soul leaving her. Mm-hmm. And it was just needless to say, it was incredibly powerful moment. Uh, when you're an adult, you, you finally realize you're an adult orphan. So, people hugged and, and said their goodbyes, and slowly people started leaving the hospital room. It was my, there was like maybe three people left in the room at that point. It was my job to, to make a phone call to the funeral home. I went outside, it was a payphone. I went outside in the hallway, just outside the doorway, and I moved to my right and I looked back and forth looking for where the payphone was. In the room beside mom's, it was the hosp- mom was in the hospice room uh, wing of the hospital. In the room beside mom, there was, uh, I was aware of a lot of people in the room. And in the doorway of the room, I'll never forget, there was this little girl, and she was around seven or eight, I guess, mm-hmm. shoulder-length, black hair. She kind of had a, a puffy, old-fashioned, lacy, white dress, which is very striking. And, and I do remember thinking, I have to smile for this little girl, because I probably look like a mess at sure. this point. Sure, sure. And... She just kept looking up to me and just kept smiling, and I looked into her room, and it was full of people. A couple of gentlemen were wearing hats. Uh, there was—I uh, was aware of the, the feet and the blankets of the uh, was p- of the person who was in the bed. There, pushing and her feet was pushing up the covers. So I was just aware of the people, but it was—they were bathed in silhouette because the sun was just blaring down into the room. It was beautiful. And I looked back at the little girl and she kept smiling at me and I smiled back and I started walking down the hallway and I looked forward. Then I looked back to see, I, I thought she's going to bolt into that room. No, she st- stood out into the hallway at this point, turned her shoulders toward me and, and kept smiling. And it was just striking, but I had a job to do. I went to the payphone, and I was on the payphone, gym for like 60 seconds. I know the funeral director and it was quick and easy i turned back to my left and uh i started walking down the hallway and as i got closer to mom's room i looked back into the room that was next to hers looked kind of taking a peek look for the little girl sure there was nobody in the room huh. it was empty there's no way i would not have seen the eight or so people that were in there leave and they would have had to have bolted down the hallway and catch the elevator. I would have seen them. Uh, and not only that the bed was made, there was nobody in the bed and it just blew me away. I had just seen a bunch of people in this room and this striking little girl looking up at me. And, but you know, my parents had just passed away. I had, I had to be with mom until the funeral home arrived. And, uh, I had a lot of other things on my mind. It was in the middle of day. It was a beautiful, sunshiny day. And I did not tell anybody the story. Uh, a couple of days later, what am I going to say? Like, hey, uh, I just saw a little girl smiling at me. What happened to all the people in the room? It's just right. Just it wasn't that the time wasn't and place. And as you said, you it. had
0: other things on your mind. You know, yeah. your mom just died. Your dad died. Then your mom died. You've got the the, the, the yeah. probably the the all the emotional stuff that goes with that having lost one parent. I know, let alone two, and then. Um, you've got all the logistical stuff and and it's probably something that was kind of out in the periphery. You're like, wow, that you probably filed that away. So that was really weird, but I've got to get on with what's going on now.
3: Yeah, exactly. So two days later, uh, we were preparing for another funeral, another reception in the house. And I was looking through photographs that display at the house and at the funeral of mom from different stages of her life. And there was this one little, black and white photograph. It was like three inches by three inches. It was old. It was an old family photograph. I'm either mom or dad and had a little white border around it. And I'm looking at this little girl posing as if she's going to first day of going to Easter Sunday or something. And that was the little girl that I saw in the doorway. I have, I'm an artist. I have a great eye. I, that was the little girl. I flipped the, the photograph. Uh, I'm getting a little emotional. I flipped the photograph in the back and it said, Faye age seven. Wow. And that was my mom's name. It was my mom. Wow. That was the little wow. girl that I saw in the doorway, smiling at this guy with long hair and probably bloodshot eyes. And she didn't waver. And she just smiled at me as I walked down that hallway. And I would say, and when I was walking down the hallway and I turned over my shoulder She had her arms at her side, but she lifted up her right wrist and kind of gave a little wave. And that was very striking. But again, it was, there was so much going on. I didn't tell anybody. And I didn't tell anybody the story until I reached out to you and I told uh, Mara, my wife, the story a couple of weeks ago. And I checked in with my sister, who was unaware of this, just to double check on some of the details. And uh, that little girl was my mom. And those people, in the room i don't know who they were there was a couple old-fashioned hats that's what my dad wore. it's what people wore back then but do
0: you? Do you that's my story
3: and and I'll, I'll never forget it
0: do you speculate that those people were maybe loved ones kind of ushering her over to the other side
3: yes exactly what i think because it was festive and it it seemed like it was they were They were happy to be there. It was almost like a party because it was loud. You could hear people talking. They were only 15 feet away from me, but I couldn't see them because the sun was pouring into these big windows. And they were bathed in silhouette, as we say in the art world. And I, but I definitely was aware of it. And I was aware of the feet of the person in the bed, pushing up the covers from underneath. And when I came back, that bed was made and everybody was gone. And that's, that's my story. And I would testify in court, I just didn't tell anybody. I kept it to myself. That's amazing. That is just It wasn't amazing. like it was at night with thunderclaps and and violins playing. You know, it was in the middle of the day and my parents had passed away five days apart and there was other stuff going on. So, yeah, it was just something that I'll never forget.
0: You know, the thing about it is this, is that you, you mentioned that it wasn't a dark and stormy night. But I I think, and we talked to the great parapsychologist, Lloyd Auerbach, about this that there's this thought that for there to be a ghost or something like that, it has to be the nighttime and it has to be in this deserted building and all these memes that we've kind of conjectured up through movies and TV and books and popular culture. But it's not that way at all. You know, you're just as likely to see somebody from the other side in in broad sunny daylight. Wow! I, I, all I first of all, thank you for sharing the story with us, because uh, that means to cap it off.
3: I mean, we were saying, go ahead to, to cap it off. We were saying, "Mom, go to the light, go to the light." And that room was blinded in light wow. from the sunshine. That's so just... that was very, very memorable. And the irony of that, to put a capper on it, uh, was just incredible. Has
0: it um, changed the way you think about the afterlife?
3: uh absolutely it's it's something that was very impactful for me i mean i want to live a long life but somehow uh i i'm not nearly as as fearful i'm I'm, not that i'm looking forward to it but i'm uh, at peace with it after seeing that it was bathed in light this room it was if those people all went out that window towards the light on that amazing cloudless march day in uh, huntington pennsylvania
0: this is a campfire classic tom thank you so much for sharing it with us today
3: (laughs) thanks jim i really really appreciate you allowing me to share my story stay spooky
0: Allie is on the line from maryland we're so glad that she's here and she has what could be an astral projection story but it has uh, a disturbing twist Allie, welcome to the show thank you for joining us today
4: Thank you for having me, Jim. Um, So to kind of preface my story, uh, the women in my family, they kind of seem to have some sensitivities to the supernatural and paranormal. Um, My mom has told me about several different experiences she had uh, in her life kind of receiving messages from people. Um, And she's also told me about experiences with my aunt and my grandmother. So it it seems like there's some kind of pattern with the women in my family kind of having these, I don't know, I guess sensitivities you might call it. So needless to say, this isn't kind of like, it's not my only experience, but it's kind of my, the most profound experience I've had. And I think it kind of shaped the way that my sensitivities and abilities to the paranormal uh, kind of developed, but I'll kind of touch more on that after I tell the story. Okay. Um, So when I was about 10 years old, um, I woke up in the middle of the night to kind of go to the bathroom, you know, usual. Sure. Um, our home had like a pretty open layout. So from the upstairs hallway where all the bedrooms were, um, I could look down the balcony and see like the front door and the foyer and everything. So when I woke up that night, like as usual, um, I looked down the balcony at the front door and I saw my mom standing there, like weirdest thing ever. She was just standing there looking out the window. Um, I Obviously, I had no idea why she was standing there. I was like terrified. I was like, hello, like, wh- why are you standing there? Um, so like I called out to her to see what she was doing. And she slowly turned her head and looked up at me, and she had, like, these glowing red eyes. Ooh! Yeah, it was terrifying. But it was my mom. Like, it had the same nightgown that she wore every single night, and, like, it was my mom. But, so, anyway, so, like, the only thing, obviously, that was different was the glowing red eyes, um... And so she didn't say anything. She kept looking at me. Um, so, you know, I was pretty scared at this point and I never actually made it to the bathroom. I kind of just turned around and went back in my bedroom and hid under the covers, as you do as a kid. Um, and for some reason, I left my bedroom door open. Um, you'd think I might have like closed it at that point, but I didn't. I just kind of left it open. So after that, I was laying in bed for a couple hours and... Um, and at one point, I peeked my head out of the blankets just to kind of see, like, okay, is she still there? Like, what's going on? Um, and, Jim, I don't know how to explain this. But so, you know, I could see the the balcony and, like, the banister and, like, mm-hmm. you know how, like, the banisters have bars and everything? Yeah. So through the bars, I could see, like, these ghostly, like, hands, like, grabbing towards me, like, almost as if they were, like, in prison, like, trying to get out.
0: Oh, man
4: yeah and it was so creepy um like i don't even know how to properly explain that but it was kind of like the freakiest thing and like the hands like would not go away like i kept peeking like every couple of minutes and they were still there it was so weird um and I know, I know that I was awake. I know that I wasn't dreaming. Mm-hmm. I've never like sleptwalked or anything like that. Um, I'm someone who, you know, when I'm awake, like I know I'm awake. I'm a pretty light sleeper. So I kind of ruled out that I wasn't like hallucinating or dreaming right. or anything. Um, so one of the reasons why I think maybe it could have been some kind of like astral projection where like maybe my spirit was the one to kind of walk out to the bathroom and then I came back into my body or something I'm not really sure so like that's kind of a weird part but then it also kind of has like a mimic aspect to it or a doppelganger with Uh my mom
0: like it wasn't actually your mom but it's something that looked like your mom
4: yeah yeah and it just oh it's so freaky and like so kind of like I said in the beginning you know I've always had these experiences growing up and one of my what you'd call like abilities or sensitivities was when i was younger i used to be able to like close my eyes and it would look like there were like spirits coming towards me like i could see a shadowy figure and it seemed like they were trying to talk to me and like give a message to me kind of like how my mom receives messages from spirits but instead of hearing i would kind of see But Mm -hmm. ever since this experience, I have not had that like ability. I think I kind of like got so scared I closed that off. Mm -hmm. Um, So now like it's kind of more, you know, if I do sense something, it's more like a picture will pop into my head, but I I don't have that ability like like my mom like has um, anymore because of this, I think because of this experience, because I was so scared.
0: Yeah. So what do you, if it wasn't your mom, what do you think it was?
4: I honestly don't know. I think maybe, I think it was something that, you know, maybe in a different kind of realm was pretending to be my mom. And it was kind of like, coming towards me in a way like that's why it had like these weird like hands and everything like i think it was trying to get close to me in like a malicious way if that makes sense and then i kind of closed that off for myself because i was like no i'm not gonna mess with that anymore
0: now do you think it was at all attached to do you think it was more attached to the people to you or do you think it was more attached to the place um
4: possibly the people the the like the house I grew up in, it was a very new house. I mean, I don't really know much about the land or anything, but I do know my mom had a <laughs> very terrifying uh, situation when she was younger uh, playing with a Ouija board. Um, and maybe it's possible there was something kind of attached to her at some point in her life. Um, yeah, that's the only thing I think of.
0: Yeah, that's um, Yeah, that's frightening. That is truly frightening. I mean, to, because that was going to be the question. I'm glad you addressed that because a lot of people say, oh, she had a bad dream, but you know that you weren't dreaming and I believe you. Um, yeah. Wow. So it it's kind of informed your interest in all of this, I assume, over the years.
4: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I have other experiences, but this one was definitely the most profound and it's, it's something that I've never really had an answer to. Um, it's definitely the weirdest experience I've ever had. And I think I remember hearing a story that was kind of similar to this a couple of months ago on, on your show mm-hmm. that made me kind of think like, oh, I should tell my story too. There's something about the glowing eyes or astral projection or something. I don't mm-hmm, know, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's. Yeah, it, that's to, that.
0: <laughs> it, 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 you know, I always am fascinated about this idea of doppelgangers. And then it even goes into, and you may have heard me talk about this before, the djinn. Are you familiar mm. with the djinn?
4: A little bit, yeah. I think I've heard you talk about it. Yeah,
0: and um, the gym, the djinn gym are from kind of the Middle Eastern culture. And it's kind of where the idea of genies came from. And the idea is that they are shapeshifters and can uh, be imposters to other things. It's never perfect, though. It's never 100%, but I always wonder when these kind of stories are coming up. Maybe it's the gin. I I don't know, but all I know is I want to be far away from it.
4: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I certainly appreciate it, uh, Allie. and uh, thanks. And if anything else happens, I hope it doesn't, but if it does, please let us know. Thanks for being on the show and stay spooky.
4: Thank you. Stay spooky.
0: Jim Herald's Campfire is brought to you by Hero Bread. You know, the carb fear is real. But don't you know it? Carb heavy foods are often the ones we love the most. I know it is for me. But Hero Bread is a hero, and they are to the rescue because Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences or compromises. They've remade carby, empty-calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories plus protein and fiber. And uh, I think my favorite so far is the Hero seeded Bread. It's uh, one gram net carb per serving made with natural ingredients, But uh, the most important thing, it's absolutely delicious. I am a sandwich guy. I love sandwiches, (laughs) but the carbs are the killer with sandwiches. But with hero seeded bread and hero bread, I don't have to have the guilt and I don't have to have the carbs. And I love the texture. You know, the texture is just as good as those less healthy bread products. I was surprised. But I got to tell you, hero bread is great. And uh, when you think about it, it's helping you with your goals, fewer carbs, and you can still have that delicious experience. And it's, it's not hard to do. It's delivered right to your door. Love it. Zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar and high in fiber. Delicious and flavorful. The soft, fluffy experience when you have, let's say, a great, refreshing BLT, a savory breakfast burrito, or a mouth-watering cheeseburger. There's something for every craving, including sliced bread loaves, buns, and tortillas. And every month, they have these small batch drops of indulgent favorites like the two gram net carb Hero croissant or the one gram net carb Hero cheddar biscuit. Mm, mm, mm. Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code CAMPFIRE at checkout. That's CAMPFIRE at H E R O.co. Make sure you get that right. That is hero.co. Do not put the M on there. (laughs) I know a lot of people think you should do that. Do not do that. It's hero.co. And we're so glad to welcome them to the family of Jim Harold Campfire supporting sponsors. Thanks, Hero Bread.
3: If you love the campfire, be sure to check out the Paranormal Podcast, where every week, Jim interviews experts and authors about strange mysteries. Find it for free wherever you listen to this podcast. Tune in to the Paranormal Podcast today. Now, we return to Jim Harold's campfire.
0: Darren is calling in from Ontario, Canada, and we're so glad to have her with us. And she's a brand new listener. Just started listening last month. My goodness. But she is coming with a story I... I think this could be a campfire classic. Oh boy. No pressure, Darren. No pressure. Uh tell mm, us no this worries. story. It sounds fantastic.
5: Yeah, I'm uh I'm really excited to tell the story. It uh I'm gonna date myself a little bit. So this took place 26 years ago when I was 13 years old, living in Manitoba. And you're young. You're just... young. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> no, you're well, young now. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so I had joined Sea Canettes, uh an organization kind of affiliated with the military. And my first summer was a two-week training program out in Saskatchewan. And this this training program took place in a place called Port Capel, uh in Echo Valley. Sorry, I'm saying a lot. <laughs> uh, so the history behind this place is that it actually used to be called Port San. And for people who live there, they know that this used to be a tuberculosis sanatorium back Mm. around the early 1900s. There were a lot of buildings kind of just to paint the picture. It was within the valley. There were rolling hills. It was gorgeous. We were right on Echo Lake uh, sailing program. It was beautiful. But the stories that kind of came with it were not so exciting. So there was one building in particular, it was called Mission Building. And this is where Probably myself, along with 20 other girls, were were situated for the two weeks. We were um, housed there. And what the how it was kind of laid out, we were on the third floor. And on both sides of the hallway, there were rooms. The room that I ended up being on was also adjacent to an, a sunroom that went down the entire length of the building. Mm-hmm. There were two girls to each room. And because it's a safety hazard, we were not allowed to lock the doors or, or even really shut the doors unless it was for privacy at night just to, you know, have the quiet. So myself and my roommate, you know, we were only, it was only a two week period. And I distinctly remember, I'm actually going to backtrack just a little bit, just to kind of paint a, a picture for the room. You walk into the room and completely to the to left of you is a closet. Right in front of you is a bunk bed. Right across from the bunk bed was a dresser with a mirror. And right beside the dresser was a was a locker. And uh, at the foot of the bed was the French doors to this long uh, sunroom. So we were told that this building actually used to house the children who were sick with tuberculosis. Hmm. And they would put them out into the sunroom on nice days to get some fresh air and some sun. So not a big deal. Me and my roommate, you know, we get to know each other. I got the top bunk. My roommate got the bottom bunk. And our bunk faced the mirror. So one night, I distinctly remember, I ended up getting woken up by my roommate. And she was just flush. She was crying. She was frantic. And I had to get her to calm down before she could even tell me what was going on. When I finally got her to calm down, she started telling me how she was sleeping, she was facing the wall, and something, she doesn't know exactly what it was, something made her wake up. She rolled over, looked in the mirror in the dresser, and saw a little boy in striped pajamas just staring at her. Oh, my. But it wasn't even, yeah, so it wasn't even that. It was the fact that he he was sitting almost on her lap. She couldn't feel anything. But uh-huh. He was almost sitting on her lap, hugging his knees to his chest. And his eyes were just a void. They were just black. And he was just staring down at her. And this, she's seen all of this in the in the reflection of the mirror. Obviously, as a 13-year-old, 12, 13-year-old, um, that was enough to make her just jump right out of bed and wake me up. I would have done the same thing. So she's 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 telling me this story. She's telling me what she saw, frantic, and she just asks. She's like, "Can I please come up to your to your bunk?" And of course, I'm, I say, "Yes, of course, come on up." She wants the inside next to the wall, so I let her have the inside, and she's just telling me a little bit more about the story. And within two minutes of her getting up there and us just lying down, and her telling me what led to this. All of a sudden at the end of the bed where my feet are, I can feel the mattress compressing. Oh my. And then decompressing as if someone Yeah. As if someone is lifting themselves up over the mattress to look at us and then going back down. But this was repetitive. It kept happening. And finally, like after a few times of this happening, and I I did not have the guts to even look, I finally asked her, I'm like, Are you doing that with your feet? And she's like, no, I thought I thought you were doing that. I'm like, no. Oh gosh. So <laughs> we counted. We counted to, I think, probably three or five. And we're like, okay, let's look at the same time. So we counted, we look, there's nothing there. And of course we we put our our heads back down, we're lying down, we're talking, and it starts up again. And we're like, okay, what? You know, being 13 year olds, we're like, what is going on? finally I just I think both of us kind of said like stop and it, it kind of it kind of dissipated but you could feel like a heaviness in the room even at the, at that age you could feel this heaviness um, you know eventually eventually we we were able to calm ourselves down enough that we could fall back like fall asleep and get a little bit of rest and unfortunately that's not where it ended for me it got considerably stranger and a little bit This is the chilling part. This is where it kind of gets scary and very personal. So I'm going to move it into the dream that I ended up having out of all of this. Mm -hmm. So I fell asleep. And all of a sudden in this dream, um, you know, again, like I had mentioned before, you're not allowed to lock the doors for safety reasons. So there's about 20 of us. And in this dream, a fellow cadet uh, is complaining to our head instructor saying, you know, um, you know whatever her name was, Janice, I think it was. She's like, you know, Janice, my door is closed, um, it's locked. I can't get into my room, and I can hear a bunch of girls in my room talking. So, you know, the instructor goes up to the up to the door and like knocks on the door, and she's like, "Hey, girls, like you need to you need to unlock the door. You need to come out." And you know, she listens to the door. She can hear voices in there. She can't make out what they're saying. It's a bunch of whispers over top of one another. And she's like, hey, girls, like I'm I'm really not joking. Like you need to come out. This isn't funny. And of course, you know, nothing, nothing, the door doesn't open. Uh, the voices start to get louder and the instructor starts to get a little suspicious. So she calls everyone out of the rooms. Um, we had a numbering system, everyone had a number. So she's like, Okay, girls number off because she wanted to do a head count essentially. So we all number off and She accounts for all of us. We're all out there, but the door is still locked. The voices are still there. Only now they're getting louder and louder and more aggressive. So now they're starting to say things that you can actually hear. Things like, they need to get out. They need to get out right now. Oh, They better hurry. They're all going to die. Get out. Get out. And it's just voices on top of voices. And they're getting louder and more aggressive. And at that moment when... The instructor realizes that all the girls are out in the hallway and there's still an unexplained something in that room. In the dream, again, I'll just reiterate: this isn't a dream. Blood starts to drip from the door. So, of course, 13-year-olds and you know, the instructor is a teenager herself. We're all freaking out. And she's like, Girls, get out of the building right now. Get out. So we're all screaming. Imagine like a stampede of 13 year old girls just screaming yelling because they're scared and that's what the dream was so it was all of us just running down the hall and i zone in on myself in a dream and i can see myself screaming and yelling along with the rest of them at the top of my lungs running down the hall and it's almost like it went into a movie and all of a sudden things kind of slowed down the sound in the dream went mute and my view of myself running down the hall changed completely to now i'm looking at myself in my bed with my roommate exactly right beside me where i left her when i fell asleep that night and my eyes in the dream it's almost like my face from the hallway flashes to my face in the bed and i have a gaping mouth i'm screaming but no sound is coming out it's muted and I'm in the bed, just screaming.
4: Mm-hmm. And
5: in that moment, I actually sat in real life. I sat straight up, and my roommate. Now, now we're back in real time. This isn't the dream anymore. My roommate actually woke up just moments before me. She's like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "I just had the weirdest dream." She's like, "Are you okay, though?" I'm like, "Why?" She's like, "Cause you sounded like you were like choking, like you were like you were." gasping for air you couldn't breathe and i'm like so then i told her the dream about how you know i had this dream about the girls and you know i was screaming and she's like like darren you were not like you were you were it sounded like you were choking like you were struggling for breath and it was the weirdest feeling it it felt heavy it felt tight in my throat and Pretty much right after that, um, my roommate made a decision to ask to be moved to a different room. <laughs> within um, within a few days, she, she got her wish. I got a different roommate. But after that, we had um, a considerable cold spot that just moved from place to place in our room. So there'd be, you know, say the morning, that cold spot would be next to the locker. By that afternoon, it would be over by the French doors. The next day, it would be by the closet. And it would just constantly shift and move throughout the day and throughout the following days in the week.
6: Hmm. So,
5: yeah. Yeah, so that is probably the biggest chilling one. Um, we had some other little things like throughout throughout that week, we'd have inspections in the morning, so our bed had to be super tight. right? And there'd be little hand imprints smaller than a 13-year-old's hand. Oh, man. Hand imprints in the military-style made bed. Uh, there'd be, like, dark fingerprint streaks on the wall next to her where she
0: slept, uh, a few very strange things. The elevator. You said there's something about the elevator, right?
5: Yeah. So, um, yeah, so there was, a, there was an elevator in the building, and back in the day it was used to, to bring up meds, and, uh, you know, the nurses used it to transport children i think in wheelchairs etc we were not allowed to use the wheel or use the elevator um but one day we ended up taking it on like a kind of a dare and our instructors kind of came with us and there were streaks down the sides of the of the walls of that elevator shaft that just could not be explained like they were kind of dark and brownish like i want to say that it looked like dried blood and there had been rumors that a nurse had hung herself up in that shaft.
0: Oh, man. Uh,
5: I don't know if I fully believe that.
0: Yeah, it might have been like an urban legend, yeah.
5: It could have been an urban legend, but if you look up the history of this place, it is known as one of the most haunted places in Canada, especially in Saskatchewan. Uh, There are many, many, many accounts of ghost stories and different experiences. Uh, That was not my my only time that I visited there, and um, the following two years that I went there, there were other experiences that some of my friends had experienced that were quite um, unnerving in different parts. Because there were many different buildings on that property. Like I said, it was uh, it was very very beautiful in the in the daylight, but at nighttime time, it was quite creepy.
0: Uh, Wow! Now I'm surprised. uh, When we were talking offline, you mentioned how much you and your family enjoy this kind of spooky stuff. So some people, when something like this happens to, they run away from it. It seems like maybe you run toward it a little bit. Is that right?
5: A little, a little bit. I mean, I I love scary movies. Um, My middle daughter. I'm gonna kind of do a little shout out to her, Sydney. Uh, I Sydney. Me and her, we she. She's actually in Air Cadets now, and we listen to your show every Thursday uh, because that's on her way in and home from cadets because it's kind of our thing to do when we're driving into town. So,
0: Oh, that's so neat. Well, yeah, yeah. Darren, thank you so much, so much for sharing such a compelling story on the campfire. And uh, please come on and share more of your stories. But that that was a great one. Thank you for coming on the show. So glad you found us. Thank you. Jim Harrell's Campfire is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, what are some of the things you want to keep the same about yourself or your life in 2024? We always think about how we can change, how we can morph. Well, maybe for a change, think opposite of new year, new you. Where are you already crushing it? You know, around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. You know, maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. And regardless of your strengths, therapy can help you find them. So you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Therapy can be a helper to just help you along. It doesn't have to be a massive change. It can just be part of continuous improvement because therapy can help you learn positive coping skills, how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself, maybe know yourself better. That's why I think if you're thinking of starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And I think that's so important in our busy lives. It's so hard to fit time in for us. And you definitely do that with therapy and can do that with BetterHelp. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash Jim Harold today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash Jim Harold. That's betterhelp.com slash J I M H A R O L D. And we thank BetterHelp for their sponsorship of Jim Harold's Campfire.
3: Want the entire Campfire Archive going back to 2009 plus much more? Get in on Jim's Plus Club at jimheraldplus.com. Now, back to another great story.
0: Ooh, this is a creepy one. Aaron is on the line from Oklahoma. He's been listening for a few years on Spotify, and we're so glad uh, to have that great platform support. We appreciate it. And uh, he is going to tell us uh, about, well, again, when he was young— and his friends were playing and then strangeness most definitely ensued. Aaron, welcome to the show. Tell us what happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Um, Yeah. So yeah, this happened when I was probably um, either nine or 10 years old. Um, Yeah. I was playing with um, one of my friends, neighborhood friends, neighborhood we lived in uh, and my sister. So it was uh, my friend Rocky and my sister and uh, myself, Um, we were playing in my room, um, which had a window that faced like the front of the house. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I should say like, so um, one of the reasons we were playing is that um, our parents, um, they like to go walking. Uh, They'd walk the neighborhood in the evening. Uh, My parents and my friends' Mm -hmm. parents would uh, walk the neighborhood. Um, So they went out uh, to go walking and they kind of left us at the house and we were all just playing in my room, um, you know, playing whatever. Um, and then I don't remember who exactly it was, if it was my sister or if it was my friend, um, noticed, um, my mom in the, in the window, hmm. like she was my, my window faced the, uh, the, the front porch. Yeah. So I was like, my mom was standing on the front porch. So he kind of pointed her out and we kind of went up, while well, went up to the window and we're kind of, you know, asking her what does she want? You know, did she need something? And, um, she's not saying anything, which is odd. And as we were to ask her questions, um, she starts to kind of like, you know, kind of beckon us with her finger, right? Like that, you know, come here, finger motion. Um, and so we're, you know, she's not answering something's off and I can tell just something's off. And I happened to to look down, and when I look down, um, basically from her right as it gets past her knee, she starts to become transparent. Oh man! And yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like, I pointed it out. I remember. I don't know who started, but one of us just screamed, right? Um, and we all screamed, and then just ran, and then hid in another part of the house, and basically waited um, for our parents to get back from walking. And I remember we put my mom to the question because we thought they had pulled some kind of trick on us. Right. And they swear, you know, up and down that Nope, they didn't have anything to do with it, which now looking back on it, I don't know how they would have done that. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was it. It was, it was incredible. We were very, very scared. So they said, Hey, we had nothing to do with this. Right. Right. They said, Nope, we weren't. And, And they were like, as baffled as we were right when we told them and at first they thought kind of we were pulling their leg right. right they thought we were pulling their leg and we thought on the other end that they were pulling a joke on us until finally yeah it was you know couldn't explain it
0: so um do you have any theories
1: i have no idea what it was to be honest right like um i've listened to you know the show and people talk about stuff like doppelgangers and stuff and I don't feel it was like a, like a, like a doppelganger. Cause I don't know. There was definitely, there was something about it that was sinister. I, I, you know, that's all I can say is I had a a feeling that something was off and it wasn't right. You know, it wasn't good. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's all I can really say is I just had like a a bad feeling about the whole thing.
0: Yeah. It's one of those things where I got to say, I, I, I mean, you take, the person probably in life, most people, if you had to say, if you had to trust one person, probably, especially when you're a kid, one person you trust in your life is your mom, right? That's, you know, that's a bond like no other because you came from her and to think that that is kind of seized upon by some kind of sinister something or other that makes it even more creepy. Don't you think?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it definitely does. Right. And the fact that it you know, wanted us to come outside where yeah. it was is just, I don't know, it was really kind of
0: chilling. We hear a lot of cases, uh, and some people term it as doppelgangers, but things posing as they, they aren't. And I always wonder, what is the motivation? What's the reason? Whether it's this or the black-eyed kid phenomena or, you know, uh, all these strange, strange things. Uh, we had a story from a woman in Germany whose, uh, husband was serving in the U S military and, uh, she realized that her husband was in bed with her spooning and it wasn't her husband. It was a near perfect copy. Uh, so we've had, yeah, (laughs) that's, (laughs) that's even creepier. It's like, and and she rebuked it and it it, it left and, and whatever, but, uh, uh, but it was a near look just like her husband. She realized her husband went out for um, a run every day at that time. And then he, she, you know, uh, basically said a prayer or something. And the the faux husband said something like, don't say that. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that oh, is wow. creepy. Yeah. yeah. So I'll tell you, yeah. there's something out there making believe their loved ones and what it is, I want to stay far, far away from. Aaron, thank you so much for sharing your show and your story on the campfire tonight, and stay spooky.
1: Yeah, thank you. Stay, stay spooky.
0: Next up on the campfire is Robin from Maryland, and Doctor Victor told her about the show. And Doctor Victor, thank you very much, and stay spooky. And uh, coolly enough, coolly, I don't know if that is a word, coolly, I guess it is. Uh, (laughs) It's very cool. Uh, Robin used to work in a metaphysical shop where a lot of odd stuff happened. Robin, welcome to the show. Tell us what happened.
7: Hello. Um, Yeah, so I worked in a metaphysical shop about nine-ish years ago. It was located in a very historical old part of like our downtown district all the buildings were at least 100 years old houses and whatnot mm-hmm. um so that's where the shop was and we had a lot of tarot card readers and palm readers and stuff like that and we had a lot of little things happening in the shop all the time um to the point that we used to joke about that there would be like a metaphysical billboard on the roof of our building <laughs> saying you know ghost if you if you want to talk to somebody come here oh cool so yeah it was it was a very cool little shop um and so on this instance it was a normal weekend you know people were coming in and out and shopping and the way the shop was set up we had two doors one was the front door facing the street and then the other was the back door that faced the parking lot and we had a you know a lot of regulars so one of our regulars came in and he was kind of Had like a weird energy to him always, kind of like a chaotic vibe. Um, But activity in the store would always kind of act up when he was there. And so he was shopping and he was finishing up. And I had a friend there with me who was, you know, just visiting and hanging out. And then we had another customer come in who was a regular Mm -hmm. and she was dressed like a voodoo priestess. I don't want to say she was a voodoo priestess. I don't know what she practiced, but, you know, she had that kind of air about her. Mm -hmm. Um, She had a very strong presence to her. So she was waiting for her turn at the counter and he finished up and he left through the back door. And then my friend was like, Oh, I'm going to go upstairs and make a cup of tea. And so he went up like to the second floor where we have like offices and whatnot. Um, So then she comes up to the register to place an order for herbs. We had a whole wall behind the counter of every kind of herb you can think of in a jar. It was like really cool. And she starts to place her order and the don't know how to really explain it. The, the energy in the room shifted almost. Mm -hmm. It was very odd and eerie and quiet. And she kind of leaned over the counter and looked at me and said, I think something's going to happen. And I kind of, and so, yeah, she like, just like everything, like her face dropped, you know, mood changed. And I like looked at her and it was like, yeah, I think, I think something's going to happen. And we both turned our heads towards the back of the store. And it was like, in an instant, there was like a wind tunnel. And like there's just like this energy. It was like wind blowing from the back of the store to the front. Hmm. And the way the shop was set up, there was like three rooms and in the middle room, there was displays, shelves that had like all the merchandise on it. And there was like four or five of them. And the one closest to us started vibrating and like rumbling and it was moving, like visibly moving. And it was like, as if somebody took their arm and was moving all of the objects on the shelf off onto the floor, just in one swoop. So it would be like first shelf, everything, all the stuff came off second shelf, all the stuff's, came off. Third bottom shelf, everything came off. And then the wooden shelf that was holding all the merchandise flipped off. And then the second one flipped off. And then the third one flipped off. And then the brackets holding the shelf all planked off one by one as well. So it was like, you know, plink, 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 plink. And then they all fell to the floor, like crashed. It was big noise. And we kind of just stood there and watched it all happen. And it was like a matter of seconds. And then like the wind tunnel stopped the shelf stopped moving, and it was just like quiet. Huh. And so like you had candles, candle holders, glass, all sorts of tchotchkes, just everything was just smashed on the floor. And we just kind of stood there for a second. And my friend came downstairs, with holding the cups of tea, and he was just like, what just happened? And he was kind of upset because he comes to the store in hopes of seeing spirit or something happen. And he didn't hear or notice anything in, like, the few seconds that this all happened. And so, like, I kind of just stood there, like, what do I do next? So the priestess lady starts, I don't know what she was doing. She she was starting, like, doing, like, a cleansing or a clearing of the area. She goes to the back of the store, opens the door, opens the front door, and starts doing, like, this kind of ritual. And I kind of let her do her own thing. She had friends who were waiting for her outside. They came in. They started doing, like, their own little thing. And I just cleaned everything up. And it was as if, like, nothing happened. Hmm. Like, nothing else happened the rest of the day. But it was just kind of, like, for those few seconds, it was just, like, this chaotic wind, like, physical wind in a store where there was no windows or open doors or anything
0: like that. Now, I'm guessing... I'm guessing that working in a place like that, you saw quite a few kind of odd uh, things from the standpoint that, to me, uh, being into that and the different people that would come in and the different artifacts and all that bring in a lot of energy. Uh, was that your experience that was highly charged? A lot of stuff happened?
7: There were, there is always things happening in the store, like little things. And we, we had, like we say we had resident spirits. Um, I definitely feel like certain people would bring, like, baggage with them or they would bring a certain energy with them or a certain kind of charge. Um, I I believe the, per- the customer, the regular customer that was in there beforehand, either conjured something up or brought something with him that stayed in the store and decided to make their presence known.
0: Now, did you, like... Um... You know, some people would think, oh, well, maybe you ought to spiritually protect yourself or something when you go into a highly charged place. Not to say it's a bad place, but again, it's kind of like a crossroads for a lot of different energies. Uh, Did you do something like that before you would go in and those kind of things?
7: Uh, In the morning, we would always, we'd burn sage and whatnot. And I would kind of do my own kind of grounding to, you know, protect myself and whatnot. We had like, it was like the opening and closing like ritual of the store um and i mean it was a normal day like did all the normal things it was a normal weekend um it was just a very strange instance and i'm happy that she was there not only to witness it because like i was by myself in the store at that point but to kind of take over clearing whatever energy was in there at the time
0: Interesting. That had to be an interesting place and an interesting job to work for sure. Well, I know you have other stories. I hope you'll join us at some point in the future and tell those. And I thank you so much for being a part of the campfire and stay spooky.
7: Thank you. Stay spooky.
0: And a special thanks to Dr. Vickers. Stay stay spooky, (laughs) Dr. Vickers. Jim Harold's Campfire is brought to you by Calm. Do you get into bed and start checking all your social media apps and all of a sudden 45 minutes have passed? I do it sometimes too. But if you're a nighttime doom scroller, let Calm help you form new and healthy bedtime habits this year. And I know it helps me a lot when I get into my doom scrolling mode. I just turn to Calm because it is the number one app for sleep and meditation, giving you the power to calm your mind and change your life. And Calm recognizes that everyone faces unique challenges in their daily lives that needs differ from person to person, and that time for meditation, well, it might vary. And since self-practices are so deeply personal, Calm strives to provide content that caters to your preferences and needs. Their meditations range from focuses on anxiety and stress, Relaxation and focus to building habits and taking care of your physical well being. They have sleep stories with hundreds of titles to choose from, including sleep meditations and calming music that will have you drifting off to dreamland quickly and naturally. And we love calm here in the Herald household. We all use it. And again, when I find myself doom scrolling, I'm like, put down the social media apps. Put everything down, put the phone down. But first, tune into Calm because it will calm you down and you'll go right off to sleep and it works like a charm every time. The Calm app puts the tools you need to feel better in your back pocket. If you go to calm.com slash campfire, you'll get a special offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription and new content is added each and every week. Stress less, sleep more, and live better with Calm. For listeners of this show, Calm is offering an exclusive offer, a 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash campfire. Go to com slash campfire for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash campfire. Thanks, Calm.
3: You're listening to Jim Herald's Campfire.
0: Charlie is on the line from Ohio, O-H-I-O, and he was on the show uh, back in 2019, and I was mentioning to him a few things have happened since then, but we are glad to have him on. Last time, he talked about uh, kind of a haunted theater and a theater haunting, and he's got another one for us. Charlie, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us again, and uh, glad to talk to you after all these years, and please tell us uh, this story.
2: Yeah, thanks, Jim. Okay. So the last one happened when I was in college uh in Ohio. Um, but this happened, this story I'm about to tell happened when I was like eight or nine years old. I was really young. Um, because I grew up in theater, my other theater family. Um, my grandparents really were involved in this local community theater. And I went with them very often, and on this one occasion. Um, I went with them to CA matinee, so it was like in the middle of the day. Um, I don't remember the show. Uh, but after the after the show, um, everyone always goes downstairs and they mingle and talk. when everyone, everyone's getting dressed. Um, but after everyone got done, you know, getting back in regular clothes and leaving, there's always a void. like the energy had been almost taken out with the people um i decided i needed to use the restroom before we left and i was the only one downstairs and you could feel that absence of energy it was really strange um and the way that this theater was set up right you could see the very back of it It was almost like a large hallway Mm -hmm. and there was a slight right and that's where the bathrooms were at the very back so i remember walking back there through this through this energy absence and I walked through there and I went to the restroom. And while I was in there, I felt a presence. Like I wasn't alone, which was very scary at that age. So I finished and I ran out of the bathroom. I don't even think I washed my hands. I just left. Um, and I remember walking through the hallway and I could still feel eyes and boring into the back of my head um Mm. and as i'm walking through the hallway i i get to the door to finally leave and i turn around and i see a shadow of a shadow figure staring at me his head was peeking around the corner from where i had just been just a couple minutes ago i i like i couldn't see anything but i could tell he was staring at me Um, Yeah, it was, it was, it was intense. Like you could almost feel, it wasn't anger, but it was like sadness. Like he missed, I mean, I'm just interpreting at this point, but you could almost feel like his missing of the people and the energy in the theater. Um, But I I ran upstairs to my grandparents. I, I told my grandma what I saw. And the strangest thing is they knew who it was they knew the guy that had passed yeah huh because it would just been such a close-knit community they've known each other for uh i was gonna say hundreds of years but not hundreds decades uh, decades Yeah. yeah um so they knew the guy that had passed so that it was known that his ghost was downstairs
0: huh wow that's kind of a cool story i think
2: so it I remember it, but it was almost like a dream at this point because it was so long ago. Sure,
0: sure. I get that. Now, let me ask. So you you kind of considered it, even though it was kind of scary for a little kid, obviously, is kind of a friendly haunting? Is that the idea? Yeah, because it's
2: not. other people besides me had talked about this ghost, and no one's ever been scared of him. It's just kind of a presence in the area Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because he's known to those people, um, and he- Again, it wasn't scary, it was sad. It was more of just a wish he could be part of the party, I think.
0: Wow. How cool is that? Well, I I mean, I, I'm sure, because I all, when haunted theaters come up, I always mention this, but I'll mention it again since it's been five years. But um, to me, it makes sense that theaters are some of the most haunted places, because I've always heard from experts that where there's a lot of emotion, there tends to be more hauntings. And where else is there more emotion? We all know, at least I would say, that's fair to say show people are type A people. Not in a bad way. They're great, but they're high strung a little bit, I think. And um, they're the kind of people who have a lot of energy and they leave a lot of energy on the stage because on the stage they're pouring out what? Good, bad, happy, sad, drama, uh, comedy, um, the whole gamut of human emotion. So if if emotion is uh, a key component, a building block, if you will, to a haunting, then what place would be more haunted than a theater?
2: I think you absolutely are right, Jim.
0: Makes sense. Charlie, thank you for being on the show tonight. I appreciate it. Stay spooky. And if you have any more haunted stories, theater or otherwise, please come back on the show. All right, thanks. Lori is on the line from New England. She just found us this past Halloween. I love Halloween for various reasons, and one of the reasons is because a lot of people find campfire, and then we get to hear great stories like this one, and uh, Lori is going to take us back to her childhood, and uh, well, a spooky story indeed. Lori, welcome to the show. Tell us what happened.
8: Um, well, it started when we went on a camping trip with the Girl Scouts. I lived in upstate New York at the time, which is a little bit of, a, to me, it's a scary region. There was a lot of people that would go ghost hunting in graveyards and known, you know, you say they said um, ghosts there. So this was something that I didn't like that. I wasn't a ghost hunter. I wasn't into it when I was a kid. So it's kind of strange this all happened. But we went on a um, camping trip near Lake Ontario, and we were all running around finding our campsite and we're happy with the one I picked. And we had, um, my friends were staying in one cabin, we were kind of in these raised sort of like cabin tent things. And there was another town with different girls um, in a different tent. So we were just going on around um, doing Girl Scout stuff on the day that we got there. And there was one girl there that was kind of strange. She was from the other town and she was taking toads that she found in the forest and she was putting ropes around their necks and kind of walking around with them like they were oh, dogs. Oh,
0: that's not nice. I know,
8: I know. I thought it was awful. I was like, I was really upset about it. So I told her I thought it was cruel, you know, we're not out here to do that to the wildlife and so forth. And she just laughed at me. So. After a while, she kept doing it. And I finally just, I ratted her out to the troop leader. And Good for you. They, yeah, <laughs> they told her to stop doing that. Um, and so things just went on. And normally, we sort of had campfire that night and went to bed. We were exhausted because we'd been swimming and everything. So the next morning, we woke up. It was probably like right at daybreak. We heard this screaming. Um, and we just all froze. It wasn't coming from our tent. It was just like this nonstop screaming, uh, hysterical screaming. So we kind of peeked out and saw people going into the other tent. And so we went out there to check out what was going on and the troop leaders kind of rushed us back into the tent. And we found out that the girl that had, had been tormenting the toads <laughs> had gone down to brush her teeth and get some water um, at the spigot that was kind of down a path into the woods. Mm-hmm. And when she came back, she said she saw, or she was screaming. She could not say it. Um, a decapitated head, a big head. She said it was bigger than human, and it was hovering over where the spigot was. And she just dropped everything and then ran back up the. Oh path. my gosh! I know. <laughs> so we were kind of we were terrified at first, but then you know people started talking. We had to stay in our tents. We sort of went into immediate lockdown, and people were trying to calm her down, but. We could still hear her screaming. I mean, she just, at first, we thought she was faking it, maybe to, um, you know, get back at us for right. telling her. Maybe,
0: maybe take some of the heat off of her from the toad incident.
8: Yeah. So, you know, at, we come down. We didn't, after a while, we didn't take it that seriously. Uh, but the troop leaders ended up deciding that maybe somebody was harassing us and, you know, they weren't didn't feel safe there, so they decided to cancel the weekend and call our parents to come and get us. So we were upset about that, but um, we snuck out. We were supposed to stay in our tents until our parents came, but me and my friends kind of snuck out to go down to the spigot area to check it out because... We didn't want to believe her. We wanted to see nothing there. So we did. There was nothing there. Um, I was still, you know, we were all really nervous about it. But then we laughed about it. We thought, oh, you know, maybe she was was getting back at us or maybe she's ill or, you know, we didn't know what it was. Um, So we kind of left it at that. And I talked to my mom about it afterwards. And she said, you know, maybe she was ill or she was stressed because she wasn't used to being away from home. So we all just kind of let it go. And then, three weeks later or so, um, my parents felt bad that we had to cancel our trip. So they let me and the same couple of friends that I had gone on that camping trip with stay out in our motor home, which they would park in the car all summer long so they could take trips here and there when they had the time to do it. Um, so we were and we did that kind of thing a lot. Um, people didn't worry that much then about, you know, staying outside and camping out in the tent in the yard. so. Right. We did that, and there were some houses around, but you know, at a distance. So we were out there having fun, sort of being loud. My mother had told us we have to keep quiet because my father had a very busy day the next day and not to bother him and so forth. But you know, we were laughing and reading magazines and probably making a lot of noise. But it was about midnight, and my dog, we brought the dog out with us. And the dog started barking and she didn't usually do that, but then she started barking hysterically. And then I stopped and we stopped laughing. And then we heard tapping on the window. um, And I kind of pulled back, there were kind of those low curtains that you have in an RV. Kind of pulled that back, thinking it was a friend that was coming over
6: to Mm
8: -hmm. bother us or visit us. And I looked out and it was like, we all saw this guy. It was just this older man with white hair, And I just like not a nice look on his face. He was laughing at us Um, and we just screamed. (laughs) So as soon as we started screaming, he disappeared or the face disappeared. I didn't see any body (laughs) Um, and the dog was still barking. So um, I started calling up to my parents. I didn't know if they could hear us, but my mother put her head out the window and she said, you know, shut up out there. I told you your father had a busy day. And I said, "No, you have to come out and get us. You have to come out and get us." And she's like, "Will you go back to you know just do what you were doing?" And she slammed the window. And I was like, "Oh my god," <laughs> she didn't take it seriously at all. Um, so we just we didn't know what to do. We didn't want to stay out there. So we all grabbed a steak knife. <laughs> oh my! Uh, decided to make a run for the house. It sounds like a bad movie, but <laughs> that's what we did. So we ran to the house and my parents had put the key under the doormat by the front door so we could get back in if we needed to to use the restroom. Or We were scared, which we were. So that was like the longest few minutes trying to scramble to get that key and to get that key in the front door. I was we were terrified. So we ran up into my room and then I told my parents when I got up there, I knocked on their door and I said, you know, this guy that's like hanging around us or there's something going on. And they said, just go back to bed. You know, you're inside now. And it it wasn't like my parents to do that. My mother was kind of a worrywart and my father, you know, he would have liked to probably at least check it out. It just seemed really strange. So we were kind of upset that my parents weren't being more responsive. Mm -hmm. So we decided to go into my bedroom, shut the door and we looked out the window to see if he was still hanging around the RV. And there was this huge black car parked in the front lawn. It looked like like a nineteen fifties, sixties car, maybe like that could fit in, you know, the kind of car that people used to drive around in and party in there was like eight, you know, you could get eight people in a car like that. Um, but there was nobody in it. And you could kind of see the street light shining through it. So I don't know if there's somebody laying down in it maybe, but you couldn't it didn't look like there was anybody in it. Right. Oh, I got back up and I told my father because he was so particular about his lawn that he would be so upset about it. <laughs> if he didn't care what I'm does. He'd be care, you know, he'd be worried about that lawn. So I told him, you know, there's some huge car parked on your front lawn, and he's like, "Oh, just go back to bed. It's probably the neighbors, you know, somebody visiting the neighbors or something." And I was like, "This is just so weird that he's not being more responsive because." I mean, he's somebody that, like, chases, he used to chase snowmobiles down the road in his car <laughs> if they would come buzzing across our lawn. <laughs> so, um, we we just didn't know what to do about it. So, we decided we're not going to go to sleep until that car is gone because that guy is probably still creeping around here. And we had the dog up with us. You know, if the dog starts barking again or we hear any noise at all, we'll just call the cops from our room. So, we were up there um, playing games, trying to keep each other awake and reading and kind of taking turns, staying up. We'd keep peeking out the window to see if the car was there, and it was still there for hours. So it was probably getting to be like 3, 4 in the morning because it started to get a little bit lighter out. And we finally looked out, and the car was gone, but there was no sound. We didn't hear any sound at all, <laughs> but the car left, which is strange because the window was right there. Right. Um, And it was a big car, you know, you'd think you'd at least hear it starting up, so, I don't know, it was just such a creepy, creepy experience, and I thought maybe at first that it was somebody that was trying to prank us, and... I asked around to all my friends that had older brothers or fathers that liked to work on cars. Did anybody know of anybody with a car like this or somebody that would do this? Or usually somebody, you know, after something like that happened, if it was a prank, would come out with it and laugh, you know, about it. But nothing. Nobody knew anybody like that that had a car like that. And for years, I would always ask around (laughs) when I'd meet people that were into cars if they knew somebody. You know, it's just always really bothered me that that happened. So... um, yeah. <laughs> you,
0: you now you said in your note to me that maybe you thought it was some kind of entity and a result of what happened at the the campground with the uh, with the frog girl.
8: Yeah, after my friends and I, because they were the same ones that were camping with me, and that we started to think about, wow, you know, what if that we were laughing down there and that thing, whatever it was. I mean, and I wasn't into ghosts at the time. This is my friend's idea, but I started to think about it like. Yeah, you know, maybe that was followed us back there or you know appeared to us again. And um yeah, it was it was really, you know, we that's how we kind of took it. We still talked about it, you know, years later. <laughs> Nothing like that happened again. Well, things happened, but not that particular kind of mm-hmm. thing. Interesting. It was just so so weird. And later on, when I saw Twin Peaks, that was what that character <laughs> was, so was not of. That's what it looked like. I was like, oh, my God, maybe mm-hmm. it is a kind of, like, deadly entity. <laughs> but then we were going to another school and getting separated, so I started thinking, maybe it's just, like, this bad energy, like, and ushering you, it. And in you didn't maybe.
0: even get a donut and a cup of coffee with oh. like Agent Cooper.
8: Nothing like that, not even from my
0: parents. Well, Lori, thank you so much for (laughs) joining us and sharing your story today on The Campfire.
8: Oh, thank you very much for having me. It was good to share it. Thank you.
0: Jamie is on the line from Colorado, and we're so glad that she is. And she's going to talk to us about signs from loved ones. Jamie, welcome to the show and tell us what happened.
9: Thank you. Um, so I live with a roommate. We've lived together for about the past five years. We've known each other for about the past 10. Um, so during that time, you really get to know each other's family. And her dad was just an amazing man. Um, he would come and he lived in a different part of the state. He'd come and he would stay for weeks at a time with us. And he was just a really cool guy. Um, but he was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago and Um, He had a long battle, but unfortunately in December of 2022, he did pass away. Um, And it just, it was one of those days where he kind of, the sun was shining and it just didn't quite feel fair that the sun was shining when the world had lost such an amazing person. Mm. Um, So my roommate was the executor of his estate and she had to travel back and forth between where we live and where he lived on the other side of the state to take care of things. And we did not see each other for quite a while while she was going through that. So on March 13th, she happened to be home. We were getting caught up having a conversation. I remember distinctly, I was in the kitchen making a Caesar salad for us for dinner. And I get a phone call from my dad telling me that he is in the emergency room in a small town a few states away. He's waiting for a life flight helicopter to take him to the closest trauma center. And he and my mom had been in a terrible accident. And my mom, unfortunately, was killed on impact, and she did not survive. Oh,
0: my Lord. Oh, I'm so sorry.
9: Thank you. Um. And so I was so thankful my roommate was. That was one of the few nights my roommate was home because, I mean, I lost it, as, as you would imagine. And my parents were actually on their way to Colorado to visit my sister and me. So we went from making plans for what we were going to be doing to... Now, now what? And, and all, everything that comes after losing someone, plus having someone severely injured. And I work for a hospital. So I immediately got working on getting my dad transferred from the hospital he was at to the hospital that I work at. So um, I could, you know, be there for his sure. care. Sure. And so my roommate's still dealing with everything after her dad's death. I'm dealing with everything after my mom's death. We don't see each other for quite a while. So we're gonna fast forward from March to the end of July. And at the end of July, we both happened to be home the same night, which was rare at that time. And we, got, we had a chance to get caught up and just kind of chat with each other. And it happened to be the day before her dad's birthday. So she was kind of feeling um, all the things that you feel when you have the first uh, major milestone after losing a loved one. And we got to talking about some of the signs that we had Um, And that might be worth calling in another time to tell you some of those. But um, as we were talking, our parents never got to meet in life. It just never worked out that they were in town town at the same time. So they never got to meet. And I was really bummed about that because I thought they would have really gotten along well. So we were talking on, do you think your dad and my mom have met in the afterlife and are hanging out together? And do they like each other? Are they having a good time? And uh, for, for our sake, we decided, yeah, they have met to met each other. Um, and they're getting along and they're taking turns checking in on us. Um, so that was, you know, a little bit of comfort and we moved on to talking about just life events. And she was telling me that she had spent the 4th of July with her sister in the mountain town that her sister lives in. And her sister has two kids under the age of 10. And because we're in Colorado and there's a lot of Jeeps, most mountain towns will do like a little Jeep parade on the 4th of July or for holidays. Mm-hmm. And there is a trend in the Jeep community right now to leave each other little rubber duckies.
0: I've heard of that. Yeah.
9: Yeah. So the they went to this Jeep parade. All the Jeeps had rubber duckies. The kids were really excited, but the Jeep that they liked the most was this green Jeep that was just filled with green rubber duckies. And my roommate said they kept talking about it all weekend. And these are the type of kids that Maybe something interests them. They talk about it a little bit and then they move on to another topic. So it was weird for them to keep bringing up this green Jeep with all of these green duckies and how they were pretty sure that people gave this guy green duckies because he had a green Jeep and it matched his Jeep. She said they just kept bringing it up and bringing it up. Um, and she just, you know, it was just one of those observations of what kids do. So little pause here to explain my office. I work in a hospital i work in administration the part of the hospital i work in no longer sees patients Mm -hmm. but my office used to be a receptionist desk so i have a window in my office that has one of those metal shutters that rolls up and down and a shelf that goes from my side to their side so um, patients could stand in the hall filling out paperwork I'm, i'm sure most people could kind of picture what i'm talking about so um since that hallway is quiet, I get a lot of people who just see that shelf, set their coffee down and h- proceed to have a conversation, not realizing that my office is right on the other side. So I have to jump up, go out and say, hey, I can hear you. This isn't soundproof. This might not be the best place for you to have this conversation.
6: Mm-hmm.
9: And that happens you know, two to three times a week. It's not very often, but it does happen. So the next morning, my roommate's dad's birthday, um, there was multiple people who had stopped, I think about five different people had stopped before 10 o'clock to have conversations. And I was getting a little frustrated and a little annoyed because I had a lot of work that I needed to get done. So I'm having to jump up and go, hey, I can hear you, please move along. Um, So I'm like, okay, maybe I can hang a sign right there to just let people know that this isn't a private place to hold a conversation. So I get up and I go out to the other side of the window so I can see if there's a good place to hang a sign and tucked behind the window, Um, the wall and where the shutter comes down is a tiny green plastic duck and it's (laughs) not where you would you wouldn't see it if you were just walking by you had to actually stop and look in that area and like i just pick up this duck and i'm looking at it and i don't even know how to react i just stick it in my pocket and i walk away and i get back to my office i take a picture of it i send it to my roommate i'm like what are the odds That we were just talking about green duckies yesterday and this was outside of my office today
6: Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm.
9: and then as we both thought about it through the rest of the day we kind of thought that um, and this is our interpretation that um, our parents are together Mm -hmm. Um, they conspired together to leave the green duck at my workplace so that i would find it Um, but it was really meant for my roommate because she's the one that the green ducks that they had seen the green ducks in the Jeep parade and it was her dad's birthday. So I brought the green duck home to her and I gave it to her. And to us, it was just this sweet little um, note from the other side that our parents are still around.
0: Oh, that is sweet. And, you know, it really is a thing where uh, I believe that our loved ones leave signs and they leave signs that they know we will understand. Mm -hmm. I do believe that. I'm not saying that we pick up on everything, but I do believe, and it's happened to me, and I know it's happened to many people out there listening, and people have called in. And I think that they kind of figure out, oh, this they'll get this. Mm -hmm. And they they send the sign that you need. And I think it's so cool. I've
9: never found anything in that little cubby space. I check now on a regular basis, haven't found anything since then. And the fact that it was a green duck just really solidifies for us that it was our parents.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for sharing this very personal story.
9: Thank you. I appreciate the time.
0: I hope you enjoyed those campfire stories. And uh, we have a very special spooky shout out for Christy. She had emailed me saying on February 15th, I'll be 70 years old. She says she tells people she lived through the 60s and now she's lived through her 60s. She faithfully listens and looks forward to the new episodes of Campfire every week. She says, if I need a shot of spooky, I'll listen again to an episode I've already heard. So, Christy, happy birthday, 70 years young. Thank you so much for listening and uh, so glad to have you as a part of our great Campfire community. And if you are interested in a personalized video shout out for someone, I would suggest you check out my cameo at cameo.com slash the Jim Harrell. That's C A M E O. Dot com slash the Jim We keep it very affordable. I see people over there charging outrageous amounts of money, and I guess they could do it because they're big celebrities. I'm not a big celebrity, and I do not charge a lot of money. We try to make it very affordable. And we do birthdays, anniversaries, congratulations, and I just love doing it. And it also helps support Shows like this one. So it's C-A-M-E-O dot com slash the Jim Herald And we would appreciate it if you would check it out. Secondly, I want to tell you about our mausoleum of merch. Dar has been putting up some great new designs. She's been putting up some mugs. She did a great uh, St. Patrick's uh, design. Uh, Kiss Me, I'm Spooky, (laughs) and you can find that over at jimherald.com slash merch. Just click on the Etsy option, and that's where you'll find all of that. We would appreciate that very much. Also, my Plus Club, if you are a fan of this show and want to listen to that back catalog along with tons of other content, you can go to jimheraldplus.com. Click on the banner and get all the details. We'd appreciate it very much. And please also support our sponsors. We thank you. We'll talk to you next time. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe and stay spooky. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Jim Harold's Campfire. Tune
2: in again next time for more stories of ordinary people who have experienced extraordinary
1: things.